Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey everyone, welcome to Active Church. My name is Mike and I serve on the team here and I'm so glad that you're joining us, whether you're watching or you're listening. Thanks for being a part of the story that God is writing here at Active Church. Today marks my 20 year anniversary at Active Church. I started in October of 2001 and served as the youth pastor for some time and then also served as the XP for some time and now for the last four years, I've been serving as the lead pastor here at Active Church, and it has been a gift, it has been an honor, and it has been a privilege, and I'm so glad that you are a part of this story with me. I love what we're building, and I'm convinced that the best really is yet to come. I've been asked by people at Active and people outside of Active, I've been asked by people who are pastors and people who are just in the workforce, what the key to my success as far as staying here for 20 years really is. And I think I could summarize it with three people. The first person is my wife. Tiffany is a gift to me. And she helps me when I'm really low, she brings me back up. And then when I get too stirred up, she brings me back down. And she is a gift to me. We've been serving in ministry together since before I was even hired here, since before we even got married. And so for the last 20 plus years, Tiff and I have walked side by side and have had the privilege of loving and serving the people of God. And so, Tiffany, I love you and I'm grateful for you. The second group of people is really a group of people and it's you. You have been so gracious to me. You have allowed me to grow and you have allowed me to make mistakes and you have been patient with me and I'm honored to be your friend and I'm honored to be called your pastor. And then the third person is the obvious person, right? Jesus. We're at church. The answer is always Jesus, right? And Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. God in the flesh who has come to rescue and redeem us and to rescue and redeem me. And he has been so merciful to me. And yet he has been also so faithful to me that he has kept to his promises in my life because this is the God that he is. Whenever you talk to somebody who has longevity, whenever you talk to somebody who has staying power, they will always talk about four specific things, whether it be in a job or whether it be in a relationship, maybe it's their marriage or maybe it's in their influence as a parent. If anybody has staying power, if anybody has longevity, you'll hear about four specific things. You'll hear about vision, you'll hear about mission, you'll hear about competency, and you'll hear about character. Now they may not use those words, but their stories and their experiences will be a reflection of those words. Vision is knowing where we're going. Mission is making the decisions on how we're going to get there. Competency is how we're gifted and how we're wired. And character, really character is you making decisions about who it is that you want to become, that your private world is not different than your public world. There is a authenticity about you. And as we talk about those four things, I think personally, that the most important thing, the most important value is really your character. Because your character is the sum total of who you are. Like you could be a great visionary and you could be on incredible mission and you could be gifted beyond anybody around you. But if your character isn't good, 
If your character isn't developed, if your character has a lot of flaws, you will find that you won't have much staying power, that you won't have longevity. I've realized that your character isn't something that you achieve, that the development of your character is actually something that you receive from God himself through the person and the work of Jesus. And so we could spend a lot of time today talking about the key to staying, the the secret to longevity. And we could talk about mission and vision and we could talk about values. We could talk about competency. But the thing I want to talk about today, I want to talk about character. And if we're going to talk about character, the secret to our longevity, then we got to talk about the work of Jesus. And if we're going to talk about the work of Jesus, then we need to talk about two decisions that actually move us in the direction of Jesus. These two decisions are not decisions that you make once and then move on. These two decisions are a part of the everyday choices that you and I can make to develop our character, to become better, to tell better stories, to lean in on the person and the work of Jesus. These two decisions are not unique to me or unique to you. It's a decision that all of us can make And these decisions are a reflection of God's pardon and God's power in your life and in mine. And I want to talk about these two decisions because it's the key to your longevity. Whether you want to stay in ministry a long time or stay at your job for a long time or obviously stay in your marriage or relationship for a long time or be an influential parent or friend. These two decisions are key in the development of your character so that you can have staying power, so that you can last And these two decisions can be summarized in two specific words, confession and repentance, confession and repentance. Now, I know that those are very religious words, right? Like, of course, a pastor is going to talk about confession and repentance, but these two words actually carry with it powerful, life-changing decisions, powerful, life-changing works of God. They carry with it the pardon of God for the forgiveness of sin and the power of God to set us free and to give us life. And our longevity, our influence, our staying power, our ability to last is found in these two decisions. Our character, your character and my character is shaped by these two decisions based upon what God does in response to these two decisions. And I want to talk about that today because I want you to have staying power. I want you to last. I want you to have longevity. I want you to tell a better story and I want you to tell a story of steadfastness. One that says, I've been here and I've got experience and I've been consistent, I've been constant, I've been courageous, I've been confident. And I think that those decisions that we can make in life are found in these two words, confession and repentance. And I want to talk about that today because I want to help you last. And so if you have a Bible with you or the Bible app on your phone, I want to invite you to turn to a document in the Bible called Numbers. This is in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, the Hebrew law, the law of God. And it was written by a man named Moses. So Numbers chapter five, starting in verse five, is where we're going to spend some time as we talk about how to last, as we talk about confession and repentance, and as we talk about God's pardon and power in your life. So here's what Moses says, starting in verse five of Numbers chapter five. He says, any man or woman 
who wrongs another in any way and is so unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sin that they have committed. They must make full restitution for the wrong that they have done. Add a fifth of the value to it and give it to the people that they have wronged. But if that person has no close relative to whom restitution can be made for the wrong, the restitution belongs to the Lord and must be given to the priest along with a ram with which atonement is made for the wrongdoer. All the sacred contributions the Israelites bring to the priest will belong to the priest. Sacred things belong to their owners, but what they give to the priest will belong to the priest. So notice a couple of things as Moses introduces us to this idea of confession and repentance, God's pardon and power. The first thing he says is that unfaithfulness is intertwined with people and God. Like when we are unfaithful to God, it actually is connected to our harm or hurt that we have caused in our relationship with people. Moses put it this way. He says, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and is so unfaithful to the Lord. In other words, what he's saying here is how we treat each other is a reflection of how we feel about God. My relationship with God through Jesus Christ will influence and shape every relationship that I'm in whether it be a romantic relationship with my wife or whether it be a parenting relationship with my kids or a pastoral relationship or a friend relationship, all of my relationships are influenced and shaped by God. And Jesus even affirmed this. He said, the greatest commandment is that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of all people, the Savior of this this earth, the, the universe, the Savior of my life and your life. He said that we are to love God and we are to love each other. His point is this. You can't love God and not love the people that God loves. You can't follow Jesus and dismiss or demean the people that Jesus has died for and resurrected from the grave for. Like, it doesn't work according to Jesus. In other words, if this relationship with people around us isn't good, don't fool yourself into thinking that your relationship with God is good. Are you with me? Because we often will say, well, God and I are good, but I'm mad at them. God and I are good, but I hate them. God and I are good, but I'm going to dismiss and demean them. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, it's not how it works. And Moses says, nope, this isn't how it works. If you are unfaithful to the people around you, then you are unfaithful to God. If you are hurting the people around you, then in essence, you are hurting God. And that That, my friends, is something we need to address. That, my friends, is something we need to correct. That, my friends, is something that needs to be redeemed and restored. This is uncomfortable, right? Because I think a lot of us in this moment might be thinking about the people that we have misspoken to or the people that we have mistreated or the people that we have dismissed. And now we're like, wait a second. So that's a reflection of my relationship with God. How I feel about God will come out and how I treat people. Oh my goodness, what do I do? And Moses goes, don't worry. Got your back. Here's what you do. Confess the sin that you have committed. 
Now, confession carries with it all sorts of ideas and connotations and depending on how you were raised and the experiences that you have, confession has all sorts of narratives behind it. Like maybe for some of you, confession is this quiet and personal, almost whisper moment with God. It's your way of getting what you need, which is forgiveness, without letting anybody know about what you did. And we use this posture, this perspective or this narrative, and we use the words of John who spent years with Jesus, three years with Jesus and wrote most of the New Testament. We use the words of John and we kind of adjust them to fit our story. John actually said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know what we've done with that? What we've done is we will fill up our sin bucket and we'll bring it to church on a Sunday or we'll bring it to God on a Monday privately and we'll whisper to God, please forgive me for this. Please wash my sin away. And we empty our sin bucket and we walk away. We don't do anything or say anything to anybody that we've harmed or hurt. We don't ask anybody for accountability. We don't ask anybody to help us, to journey with us, to help us move in the direction of God. We just quietly go to God and go, I'm sorry. And then we have this expectation of forgiveness. And John says we get forgiveness, but this is for a lot of us what confession is all about. For some of us, confession is going to somebody in spiritual authority and telling them about what we've done. Like if you were raised in a Catholic perspective, you would go to the priest and you would confess your sins to the priest and then he would give you a task of praying a certain amount of prayers or saying a certain amount of things to God. Again, it's all about you and this person. It's not about the people that maybe you have harmed or you have hurt. And then there's... People who have said that confession is really all about this, me going to somebody and saying, listen, I'm so sorry. And then expecting them to say, well, it's okay. I'm so sorry. And it's okay. Okay, now let's move forward. Let's not bring it up anymore. These are the postures or perspectives of confession that we all hold. But Moses actually gives us a brand new posture, a brand new perspective. He says that confession requires God, who is the forgiver, Confession requires you who needs forgiveness. Confession requires the person that you have harmed or the person that you have hurt. And the confession requires people around you that are going to encourage you to be honest and be open and be authentic and not hide and build your character. Like confession actually requires your humility. And here's why. Because the word confess or confession in the Hebrew language is actually an image word and an action word. See, our words in our culture, we use them and we put them on an Excel spreadsheet or we put them on social media and we allow these words to just state facts. But in the Hebrew culture, their words painted pictures and gave them direction. And the word that Moses uses for confession or to confess is the word in Hebrew, yadha. Now, I can't say this word without actually showing you this word. The word yadha is you gathering all of whatever it is that you've done and you placing it in the, the, the spot in your heart that you need to get out of your life. Like you placing it on your chest and then literally saying Yad Ha. It's kind of like for those that loved the old Street Fighter game. You remember Ryu who would say, Haruken, remember that? Like, maybe you don't, but really he would like shoot something from his heart or shoot something from his hands. 
This is literally what the word means. It's you saying, I'm getting this out of me. I am getting this out of my heart and out of my mind. I don't want this anymore. I'm going to announce this publicly because I don't want to live in a mess and in chaos and in sin privately. And the word yadha, actually in the Hebrew language, is a shout of praise. Here's what you're saying when you're confessing. I don't want to live like this anymore. And I don't want you to live in the consequences or in the harm or in the hurt of my words or my choices anymore either. Because confession requires God and you and the person you've hurt and the person that holds you accountable to apologizing to the person that you've hurt. Yadha gets rid of 90% of the conversation and takes you to the last 10% of truth. Yadha is saying, here's what I've done to you. Here's how my words have harmed you. Here's how my behavior has hurt you. And I want to ask for your forgiveness. And I want you to know that I am very sorry. It's you going to the person and you going to God because both are connected. If I am unfaithful to a person, I've been unfaithful to God. Yadha is freeing. Yadha is where you find healing. James, the brother of Jesus, says that we confess our sins to each other so that we may find healing. When I yadha, I am gathering all of the nonsense and junk that I have caused, the words that I have said that are in my heart and in my head, and I am getting it out of me because I don't want to live like this anymore. And I don't want you to live like this anymore in the consequences of my choices or my words. So that's why Moses says, you want to last? You want to stay? You want to have longevity? Like it's time to get the junk out. It's time to admit what's actually happening inside. Stop pretending. Stop hiding. Stop living in shame or embarrassment. And yadha, confess. But he doesn't stop there. He says, then we must make full restitution for the wrong that we have done add a fifth of the value to it and give it to the people that we have wronged. You know, when we've been hurt or when we've been harmed, doesn't it feel like something's been taken from us or stolen from us? I think this is why we say things like, um, I owe you an apology or you owe me an apology because it feels like you've taken something or stolen something from me, whether it be a, a physical resource or a physical object, or maybe you stole trust or grace or value or significance, or maybe even love from me. I've realized that when Moses is talking about us confessing and then inviting us to make restitution, restitution is saying, listen, I've taken something from you with my words or my behavior and I want to give it back, but not just give it back. I want to build trust back. I want to choose reconciliation. I want to choose healing. I'm not just sorry, but I'm actually wanting to honor God and honor you. And I want to live a life of healing and hope. And I want you to experience it. In fact, repentance is God's healing in you on display around you. Repentance is God's healing in you, on display around you. 
One of my favorite stories in the life of Jesus is when he interacts with a man named Zacchaeus. And if you're a church person, you know that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, right? And if you're not a church person, you're like, what are you talking about, Mike? This is a story that we would sing in church class and kids class, Sunday school years ago. And it was a way that we could remember the story. But Zacchaeus was actually a short man who was a tax collector for the empire of Rome. But he was a Jewish man. And so people put him at the top of the list of the worst of sinners. And we do that in every generation, don't we? We find a group of people and we say that they're the worst. Well, in this time, it was the tax collectors because what he was doing was working for a ungodly government, taking money from God's people. And then he would go above and beyond that by taxing them more so that he would have resource and become rich. And Zacchaeus didn't want to live with that. He didn't want to live like that. But he decided like, I guess I'll just have money and I'll have resource. And so I can live in luxury, even though I'm uncomfortable with it. And then he hears about Jesus and Jesus is coming near his house. And because there's a large crowd always around Jesus and Zacchaeus was a short guy, he decides to climb a tree. And so he climbs up what's called a sycamore tree in the scriptures. Luke writes about this and he sees Jesus from this tree, but Jesus is walking and stops in front of the tree and looks up at Zacchaeus and invites him to come down. Like that might've been an embarrassing moment, right? Like that might've been an awkward moment. I remember years ago, we have this tree in our front yard and I was in the tree with our kids and my son was up there with me and he needed to get down and go to the restroom. And I said, okay, I'm just going to wait in the tree until you come back. He goes, great. So he walks into the house and I'm waiting in the tree for him. And then my wife had somebody come over to, to pick up something and it was another adult, right? And, and they're in the car and they pull into our driveway and they didn't know I was in the tree. And I wasn't going to say anything because I was a dad. I was a man. I'm an older man. I'm an adult and I'm up in a tree. This is weird, right? I didn't want them to see me. And I'm wondering if Zacchaeus felt the same way. Jesus noticed him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. We're going to have a meal at your house. And everybody went, you're going to a tax collector's house? And Jesus goes, Yeah. And Luke tells us they go to the house. We don't know about the conversation. All that we know is what happens after the meal. Luke tells us that Zacchaeus stands up after interacting with Jesus, talking with Jesus. And he says, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. Now, here's what's interesting. Moses in the document of numbers says, restitution is giving back what you've taken and then adding a fifth or like adding 20% to it. But Zacchaeus says, I'm actually going to go above and beyond that. I'm going to give back four times the amount that I have taken. I'm not just sorry. And I don't want just healing. I want reconciliation and redemption. And I'm going to do whatever is necessary to let people know that Jesus has changed my life. And Jesus responds to Zacchaeus's decision and his words with these words. He says, today salvation has come to this house <laughs> because salvation brings redemption and restoration and reconciliation. Salvation is all about restitution. And restitution is actually where we get the word repentance. The Hebrew word for repentance is the word shuv. And you can't say shuv without opening up your palms in front of you and saying shuv. It's your way of saying, I'm surrendered. I'm choosing humility. I'm very sorry and I want healing. The word literally represents you going in one direction and then turning around and going in a different direction. It's where we get the phrase, tell a better story. 
Because tell a better story is all about restitution. It's all about repentance. David, King David, is the second king in Israel. He's the most famous king in the scriptures. And he was in the line of Jesus, in the family tree of Jesus. And David is a man after God's heart, according to the scriptures. But he was also a knucklehead. And he made terrible decisions. And he actually writes in Psalms 32 about how confession and repentance opened his eyes to God's pardon and power. And he writes this after he had made a decision to have an affair. He got the woman pregnant. The woman was married. This person that she was married to was the leader of his army. And so David strategically has the husband murdered in battle and then brings the woman home and pretends everything's okay. And then he gets called out by one of the prophets in Israel. It's one of my favorite scriptures. The prophet actually says to David, you're the man that did this. Not like you're a man or you're the man. He's saying, you're the man that actually has messed all of this up. You've been unfaithful to God because you've been unfaithful to these people. So confess and repent. And David writes about what happened after that and how God's pardon and power through confession and repentance changed his life and changed his character. He says in Psalms 32 verse 1, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. They are the same privately and publicly. When I kept silent, listen to these words, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He's speaking to God right here and he's saying, God, I I just felt your hand of grace and conviction upon me. Saying, you don't have to live like this. This sin is destroying you and separating you from all of life and all that I can give you in life. He says, I felt your hand upon me. Then I acknowledged or confessed my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I lived in repentance. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Confession, repentance brought about no more sin and no more guilt and no more shame. God's pardon and Power brought about more love and more grace and more freedom. Friends, this is why David was able to last as king. And this is why Moses was able to last as a leader. Friends, this is why we're able to last in our marriages and in our relationships and in our friendships and in our environments and in our work and in our parenting. This is why I've been able to last at active because of God's pardon and power, because of confession and repentance. Because staying isn't just about your competency. Staying is about your character and what God is doing in you. Listen, your competency will get you in the room because you're gifted and you're talented, but it's your character that allows you to stay. And that's what we want. We want to be people of great character and people of great character have trust, have trusted in Jesus the God of the universe, the savior of the world. And so do you want to stay? You want to have longevity? You want to last? Confess and repent. Lean into God's pardon and God's power and allow him to develop who you are and who it is that you're becoming so that you can tell a better story. 
I want to help you get started. I want to give you a couple of questions to consider as you think about confession and as you think about repentance. So the first question is this, what is it that you need to confess? What is it that you need to confess? What are you carrying around that you don't need to carry around anymore? Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to text? Who do you need to tell? Who is the one that you need to confess to because you've hurt them or harmed them? Or who is it that you need to talk to that can help you to step into a more authentic, more character-driven, more of an integrous life, a life that honors Jesus? They can move you in that direction. What do you need to confess? What do you need to yada? Second question. Who is it that needs your repentance? Where do you need to make restitution to earn trust, build back trust, to apologize and to let them know that you aren't just sorry, but you're healing and you want to bring reconciliation and healing to their life as well. Now, those are big questions. And maybe you have names and maybe you have stories or or maybe you don't. Wherever you find yourself today, I want to just invite you to consider what do you need to confess and what do you need to repent of? Now, maybe the person that you've harmed or that you've hurt is not around anymore because they've moved or there's boundaries or maybe they've passed away. What do you do then? Well, I want to invite you to do something that might seem a bit odd, but I think will be really, really helpful. One theologian recommends that when we are confessing to somebody that's not around anymore, we just take a chair an empty chair in our, our living room or our bedroom, and we, we confess to the empty chair. We place that person, that situation in the chair, and we apologize, and we say that we are sorry. And then when it comes to repentance or restitution, what I would encourage you to do is find the ones that love the person that you've hurt and make it right with them. What can you do for them? How can you bring healing and reconciliation with them? without violating boundaries, without violating space, because you cause the mess, right? Or maybe the confession is about what you're doing personally that hasn't affected the world around you yet, yet. You need to talk to somebody that can help you to take steps to not live in shame and embarrassment and sin anymore and take steps so that you can make restitution with God, repentance towards God, where you can say, God, I am yours and I want to surrender to you. Friends, you want to last in your marriage, your relationship, your parenting, your friendship, your job? Confess. Repent. Lean into God's pardon and lean into God's power. Maybe you can get started simply by inviting us into your story. And you can do that today by texting prayer to the number that you see on the screen. It'll give you a prompt. It'll say, hey, thanks for sharing this with us. What is it that we can be praying for? And then you can text as little or as much as you would like. And that goes directly to our team and only to our team. And it's private and it's for us. And we want to pray for you. But maybe it's the first step for you to confess and repent. Because I want you to last. And you will not last if you don't develop your character. You will not last if you don't receive God's pardon and power. You will not last if you don't participate in confession and repentance. Let me pray for you. And so, Heavenly Father, we lay before you all of the things that you already know about us. 
about what we've said and about what we've done. And we ask for your forgiveness. We invite you to transform and to renew our minds and hearts. We lean into your pardon and your power. And we ask that you would give us wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it when it comes to restitution, when it comes to repentance. May we live a life of yadha and shuv because of Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray all of these things. And together we say, amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.